All we're going to do is act on the word of God. Just going to act on it and kabam, his power flows. Hallelujah. Well, maybe I need to tell him because I'm a little bit better than I used to. I need to see if he will complete the healing. Stop. Stop with that nonsense. No completing the healing. He's not giving you a partial. I mean, did you ask him last time? Could you give me half? I need a half healing, then I'll come back for the rest. No, no, no. Just don't work on him. I'm not working on you, Lord. You've got it all together. You understand completely. This is easy. I'm just going to act on your word. That's the only thing lacking. Praise God. I do, did have a plan to read some things. So let's look at Matthew chapter 9 and notice with me in verse 18. It says, while he spoke these things to them, behold, a ruler came and worshiped him saying, my daughter has just died, but come and lay your hand on her and she will live. Isn't that pretty cool? My daughter just died. Come lay your hand on her, she'll live. He's not giving up and her, her heart stopped. So Jesus arose and followed him and so did his disciples. Now, see, notice something here. People who get results are those who declare ahead of time what's going to happen. They're not showing up to see what will happen, to see if something will happen. They are boldly declaring and saying it ahead of time. And, and he said to the Lord, come lay your hand on her and she will live. That's pretty bold. And you're saying it out loud. I can understand thinking it and maybe saying it quietly. He's just saying it right out loud. Come lay your hand on her. She will live. Okay. What say you? What say you about yourself? What say you about what's going to happen? See, their conviction of what, of what, is so real to them, uh, it's so real to them, they have to tell someone else. I make note of things that I hear from others, not just in the Bible, like this is one, but, but from people in here, people I know. When I, I hear their testimony and they say, this is what happened, this is how it happened, and this is what I did, and I'm listening because I, I'm looking for things that line up with the word, and especially if someone got a result, they got a healing, okay, you did something right. When I say you did something right, you made a connection with God, all right? And that's all this is, and so it's easy. But like I heard one testimony from uh, someone, uh, probably in here, I can't find them, but um, I was listening to, to their testimony, and they went in, because it was a cancer, a cancer uh, diagnosis, serious, you know, uh, permanent kind of thing, going to kill you kind of thing, and... Uh, and they went in after they received, you know, laying on of hands, and they went in into the technician, and they were about to analyze their new scan, and they just told them, uh, they, they said, to the, said to the person, you're not going to find anything. And they said that ahead of time. I thought, that's bold. And that's simple faith right there. In other words, they did what he did. They took the see, you're not going to find anything. And you know what? They didn't find anything. The previous scans had, had it. 
The previous diagnosis had it, but not anymore. Why weren't they going to find anything? This person was convinced. I had hands laid on me, so I'm healed. So they said, you're not going to. So again, what do you say? He said, Lord, if you'll touch me, if you'll lay hands on, on my daughter in this case, so you could be for your daughter or it could be for yourself. You can use this for yourself. He said, lay your hand on her and, and, and she, she will live, right? Jesus taught this principle out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. And that's what was happening here. This is what he believed. So up came out of his heart, Lord, you touch her, she's gonna live. Up came out of this other person's heart, you're not gonna find anything on that scan. You're not gonna find any cancer. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Why, why wouldn't we tell others of our expected future? Why wouldn't we keep it quiet? I mean, people will tell others about their vacations that they're planning. Hey, I'm getting ready in, you know, in January going to, going here. You sure? You're talking like it's a fact. You're talking like it's absolutely going to happen. And you don't even know for sure with the world today. I mean, airlines and, you know, wars and stuff and going on. You talk like this is going to happen. People often are more, are more, uh, more bold with negative things that are going to happen. They'll say, yeah, something will probably go wrong. Planes will probably be delayed. <laughs> you know, I don't know. I'll probably, probably get sick or something right before it. It's amazing the negative things people say. There's confidence. Like, what are you basing that on? But they declare these things. But when it comes to God moving... It's like you have more confidence in your vacation plans than you do that God will back up his promise and do what he said he would do when, when we do what he said we should do. Like believers will lay hands on the sick and they'll recover. So uh, I don't know. I don't have more confidence in my vacation than I do in the power of God. So if someone can say, hey, I'm going to Hawaii, can you say, hey, I'm going to be healed tonight? Why can't you say that? Why wouldn't you say that? Amen. Because I tell you, the healing is far more sure. It has Almighty God back in it. He doesn't, you don't have Almighty God backing up your vacation to Hawaii. <laughs> Hallelujah. And so uh, uh, faith will tell you ahead of time what will happen. Jesus, uh, Jesus at this event, th this took place, this is very interesting. Verse 19 again, so Jesus arose and followed him. So Jesus arose and followed him. Now we all know it's scriptural to follow Jesus. How do you get Jesus to follow you? Wouldn't you like Jesus to follow you? Oh no, I'll follow the Lord, but he needed Jesus to follow him, to follow him home. <laughs> Why did he do that? He wasn't following everyone around. There was a lot of people pulling on him and wanting him. He didn't go to everybody's house. Why did he go to his house? Say, well, because he was a ruler in the synagogue. No, that's not why. It's because he said, Jesus knew the voice of faith. And this guy said, Lord, if you'll come lay hands on her, she'll live. <laughs> it's like, you're speaking my language. You are speaking the language of heaven right now. The language of it shall be, this will be the case. 
And Jesus picked up and followed her, followed him to, to, to the daughter. And, uh, you know, there was a, a minister named uh, Smith Wigglesworth who was famous. Uh, one of his famous sayings was, there, there's something about believing God that will cause him to pass over a million people just to get to you. And I think that's exactly what's going on here, that the Lord heard the voice of faith. He heard someone with conviction that says, bless God, this will be, this shall be. I'm going to the healing service and I'm leaving healed. I will be made whole. Or you lay your hands on my daughter, you lay, or you could say, you lay your hands on me and I will live. Amen. Say it out loud. Let's practice. Say, when hands are laid on me, I will live. I will be made whole. Yeah. Doesn't that feel kind of good? <laughs> it does to me. I got a witness right on the inside. Meaning the Holy Spirit is saying, uh-huh. Oh, yeah. You can, you can know when you say something that God agrees with. You can know when you're on the same page with him. You can know when you're speaking the language of heaven because he's pleased. You get, you get Jesus to follow you home. Say, well, I'm sure I was hoping Jesus would be here before I got here. <laughs> well, there, I, I'm not concerned. I, I know he is. But if you were concerned, you could get him to follow you here. How do you do that? Lord, I'm getting in the car now. And I'm going to church and I'm getting healed. Because I believe when they touch me, when your, you know, children, your people touch me, uh, that you will touch me. So I'm going to get a healing. Does, does he like that kind of talk? Is it, is it arrogant? Absolutely not. You are submitted to the will of God. You are acting on the word of God. And that's the only component that's missing between God's power being present and God's power being manifest. Hallelujah. So, so faith in God's power is attractive. It's pleasing to him. It brings a, a, a manifestation of his presence and his power. Okay. Now look down at verse 23. Uh, then, then Matthew 9, 23, when Jesus came into the ruler's house and saw the flute players and the noisy crowd wailing, he said to them, make room for the girl is not dead, but sleeping. And they ridiculed him. But when the crowd was put outside, he went in, took her by the hand and the girl arose and the report of this went out into all that land. Now, how many know just because there's noise doesn't mean there's a lot of faith? You can have a lot of noise. The music was playing. The wailers were wailing. But that doesn't mean, just because there's noise going on, doesn't mean it's a noise, a, a, a noise, a sound of victory, a sound of faith. Sometimes a lot of, and this could be, I know they had professional mourners and all this kind of stuff, and, uh, but, you know, sometimes people could be praying. And they could be praying real loud. I mean, you know, just because someone's praying or praying loud doesn't mean there's faith in that prayer, right? And sometimes we need to know, is, is there faith in my voice? Is there, is there victory in my voice? Is there expectation of things about to change? Or am I just crying about the problem? Hallelujah. If that sounds harsh, don't take it that way. Or maybe do take it that way. I don't know. Sometimes we need to... Get slapped out of our unbelief. 
and say, stop looking down, look up. Turn your frown into a smile and, and get happy about this. You, be, you believe God. You have faith in God. You know he's going to come through for you. You know he'll never let you down. Come on now. And so Jesus, again, he said here that what we just read, the girl's not dead but sleeping. Well, one of the things I read, I read into that is sleep is a temporary condition, whereas death is more permanent, right? And, uh, and so was she dead? Well, physically she was dead, but Jesus viewed this as temporary. And his view of calling a dead girl a sleeping girl showed what he was expecting to happen, that she would be raised up. Likewise, it would do us well if we would view any physical condition as temporary. Meaning physical condition, any kind of sickness or disease or infirmity or injury, temporary. It's when we start making plans to live with something the rest of our lives that it gets, it gets a hold of us inwardly. It becomes a part of our identity. We start thinking of ourselves as a person with a disease or a condition or a limitation or someone who's just going to live a shortened life. When we adopt that mentality, we, are, we have left this type of faith voice. So we don't adjust our inward to match the, what we feel at the moment or some type of report. We see sickness or disease as, what's the word? Temporary. 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 That means it's got to go. It has to leave. It's not going to remain. It's on its way out. It is a temporary circumstance and condition, and it is subject to God's power. But you see how people who are in unbelief respond to those with faith. You see what they did here when Jesus declared this a temporary condition. She's just sleeping. What did they do? They ridiculed him. So they're laughing at Jesus. It's like, well, you were mourning a minute. Now you found something funny? <laughs> you know, you're, they're ridiculing Jesus. But this sometimes is how this works. When you've got someone who has genuine uh, conviction and faith in God, those without it do not understand you. Those who, who are without it, they're going to be a problem. They're going to be a hindrance. They're not going to help you get victory. They're going to put you in the grave. If you stand around and listen to their flutes and their wailing, you're on the way to the grave, okay? So what do you need to do when your faith is being attacked by those with unbelief? Is you put them outside. But what if they're family? <laughs> In your moments of making a connection with God and believing him to turn your life around, they've got to get out. If they don't get out, then you leave town, right? You get away from them, depending on the serious nature of your condition. But, uh, you know, when people are ridiculing, this is what Jesus did. He didn't say, well, let me show you guys. Why don't you come in here and watch? You notice he didn't do that? Because that would have been a good, stick it to you. Would have been a good, I'll show you. You laugh at this. What, you think this is funny? Let me show you. And raise her up. Jesus didn't do that. Why? Because he understood the principles of the kingdom. He understood what faith in God looks like. 
And it's not something where we're trying to prove to someone else that this is real. No, the focus was on uh, Jairus and his daughter, and it's time to get uh, this girl raised up, so I need this unbelief out of here. Yeah, what if, what if they don't like it? Well, they're the ones wailing and moaning and ridiculing. Let them go have their own party in, in their own unbelief. And Amen. But sometimes we need to get rid of this. I mean, this is serious business here. What's going on? I mean, would you let a surgeon operate on you with unwashed hands or, a, you know, an unsanitary environment? Would you let them cut you open? I think we know enough about germs and things like that. We would be like, absolutely not. No, I'm not going to let you, you deal or operate on me in, in, in that condition. Well, would you surround yourself with voices of unbelief when your life is on the line? And those who know something about spiritual matters say, that's just as serious as someone doing a surgery with unwashed hands, with an unsanitary condition. I don't need that unbelief in, in, the, in the operating room right now. Amen. Praise God. And so, uh, and so we want get to get those things out. Now turn with me to the book of Luke. We read about this uh, same account over here in Luke chapter 8. Matthew records some details. Luke records some details. And so uh, I just want to read part of Luke's account. And, and he said in verse 49, Luke 8, 49, while he was still speaking, someone came from the ruler of the synagogue's house saying to him, your daughter is dead, do not trouble the teacher. So apparently, apparently uh, he was talking to Jesus about his daughter and in that conversation is when he found out. And so, I'll just read this again. I know where I was verse-wise. I have to get the same thought because I got pulled out of my flow. Verse 49. While he was still speaking, someone came from the ruler of the synagogue's house saying to him, your daughter is dead. Do not trouble the teacher. Okay, so this is where uh, we were given more information. It wasn't just that he was saying, um, come heal my daughter, she's dead. He got that information in the moment while he's talking to Jesus, okay? And so, uh, Jesus, but Jesus heard it. He answered him saying, do not be afraid, only believe, and she will be made well. Now, we understand this, that how we respond to negative news is key to what will happen next, all right? If you ever gotten a negative report, gotten some bad news, whether it was from the outside or just your body giving you the bad news, because <laughs> it'll yell at you sometimes, right? And, uh, but it, when we get the bad news or when our body gives us the bad news, that's the, that's the best moment right then to respond with faith as opposed to fear. That's the, the, the ideal time to act correctly. I, imagine uh, uh, the emotions that were, that were being stirred up in the Father right here. I mean, he's coming for his daughter's life. You read this account, she's 12 years old, okay? 
His 12-year-old daughter is on her deathbed, and in the moment of him going out of his way and acting great, acting with faith, going to Jesus, someone else comes. So he's already got a, got a report, had a bad circumstance. Someone else comes to him and says, don't bother, we're too late. I mean, she died. C- could you imagine the thoughts? Can you imagine the, the mentality of, oh, we lost. I mean, you can see what, what could happen. Now, think about negative reports that people get today. Um, I, I think we need to learn not to make a report, a negative report, uh, the final word on any subject. Whether it's from a, some kind of diagnosis or, again, just a, a symptom of some kind, that's never the final subject. Since when do we make a, a X-ray or a CAT scan or something like that equal with God's Word? If we do, then we're, we've basically given the disease or the condition authority over us. We're saying, you're almighty, almighty disease, almighty condition, I'm subject to you. Rather than, huh, we got this now. I, sometimes people will come and they'll say, I've had this happen many times and I, I respect their heart as far as their, their desire to do right. But they'll say, I'm going in for a, a scan of some sort. Pray for me or pray with me that I'll have a good report. And uh, when someone says that to me, I say no. You know, that might sound harsh. Why would I pray that you have a good report? Because the report is not what we believe. Right? What, we're, what our faith, in, faith is in is not a report. It is in God's word. What can happen is if someone gets a report that has anything wrong with it, now their, their faith is tanked. We prayed for a good report. We got a bad report. Ah, it didn't work. Okay, uh, I'm not going to put my faith in the report. I'm going to put my faith in God. Everybody with me? And so uh, th- this, is, this is one of the areas where we're, we're not going to hang our hat on that kind of report. We're going to say, no matter what the report says, God's word is true. No matter what a report says, if they give me information, that information just gives me, you know, that diagnosis just gives me information so I know what to use the name of Jesus on now. So I know what, when hands are laid upon me, I know exactly what it's for. I know what's going to be removed because it will be and it will, it will go away. Jay Iris had a report that was really, really bad. <laughs> it's worse than yeah, she's going to have six weeks to live. No, already dead, <laughs> already gone. So you can't get worse than that when it comes to a report of, of negativity. And the question is, what report are we going to believe? You know, uh, Isaiah 53 and verse 1, who, shall, who, who uh, shall believe or who has re- believed the report? To whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? Amen. And so we have a choice. We're going to believe a report or a report. We're going to believe a word or a word. A word of life or a word of death. 
a word of victory, a word of healing, or we're going to believe a word of, of it remains, nothing changes. And that word, again, could come just through symptoms or your body talking to you or something like that. We always have a choice. Jairus had a choice here, and it was in his face. He was already a faith guy. I mean, he got Jesus to follow him. Yeah? I mean, you might look on your social media and see who your followers are. Is Jesus in there? (laughs) He had Jesus following him. (laughs) Why did he have it? Again, it was his voice of faith. What did that sound like? You touch her, you put your hand on her, she will live. Oh, that's beautiful. I love that sound. She will live. So he was doing well and then hit with another one. Boom, she's dead. And I want you to, to, to notice um, what Jesus did in response to this. Because Jesus knew that fear would likely flood his heart at that moment. I mean, that happens. You get such a negative, your daughter is dead. I mean, he knew what would be a, a natural response to this. And uh, he knew it was necessary to interrupt that condition, interrupt that potential condition immediately. That's why Jesus said he jumped right in there. Don't, tr- don't trouble the teacher. But when Jesus heard it, he answered him and said, do not be afraid. Only believe. I, got, I, I kind of imagine, imagine this as, as, as him getting right up there in his face. Saying, listen, I'm trying to look for people. I got people looking all over the place around here. You got to stay with me. <laughs> that Jesus is getting right in his face. No, no, no fear right here. Don't, don't be afraid. Only believe. Hold it, hold it right there. Only believe. Can you picture that? Because your mind is tempted right now in this situation to go a thousand different directions. Fear, worry. Oh no, I, I failed. Oh, I got here too late. What? Oh no, she's, she's dead. Oh, my daughter. All that stuff. No, don't do that. Don't do that. No, 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 don't do that. No. <laughs> don't do that. Just believe. Only, just believe. He already knew how because he was already doing it. Just hold, just keep it, keep it right there. Now think about this. Did that matter? We know the end result. She was raised up. We already read it. Punchline's already in. Would that have happened if Jay Irish would have said, oh, I blew it. Oh, it's too late. Oh man, she's dead. Oh, my daughter. Oh no. If someone says, well, Jesus was gonna do that anyway. It didn't matter what, what, what he did, then, then Jesus is just blowing smoke. Why would he have told him, don't fear, only believe, if it didn't matter if he got afraid or he believed? It did matter. So the, the miracle that Jesus was about to make manifest by raising that daughter up was tied to her, da- to her father not letting himself veer off track and getting into fear. So Jesus grabbed his mind and said, come back. Stay, stay with me now. Just believe. And you know what? Watch this. He did. He didn't say, oh, no, I can't do it. I can't do it. It's too hard. No, he did. Say, so how do you know he did? 
because his daughter was raised up. Jesus tied the outcome to his response to the report. And because the outcome was, was just what they wanted, we know that he did what Jesus said. We started this, how do we get, make connection with God's power? We act on the word. We just act on the word of God. We act on it. What, say, what, what does that look like for us? Here's a few of the keys we've mentioned. We declare ahead of time what's gonna happen. We are bold enough, have enough conviction to say before it happens, this is what will happen. Amen. And then in the face of I've got options here, I've got pain or I've got God's word or I've got a report or I've got God's promise, I have to choose a report. Which report am I gonna believe? I'm gonna believe something. Someone says, I don't know if I can believe. You already believe in. We're all believing something. It's just, can we grab our focus? Can we grab our heart, our attention, and say, I'm going to stay with this. I believe this. And this is all, I, all I'm going to do. I'm only going to believe. Believe what? In this case, that when Jesus touched her, she would be raised up. She would live. In our case, it could be tonight, when hands are laid upon me, I'll be healed. When hands, are, hands touch me, that's it. That's when everything changes. That's what I'm going to believe. Amen. And that is acting on the word of God. So his fear could have blocked God's power from raising up this daughter, uh, but J. Iris believed as shown in the end result. And I think if, if he could believe even in the face of this death report, I think we got this. I don't know if anybody's dead here. If you are and your dad brought you, then we've got a scriptural basis to raise you up. But I'm assuming that's not the case. So anything else has got to be easier. I mean, anything else, if it's less than that, oh, then this is, all, this is a cakewalk. Amen. What are we going to do? We're going to act on the word. Praise God. And Jesus said that we would do this just like he did. He laid hands on her. She was raised up. He said in John 14, the works that I do shall you do also and greater works than these because I go to my Father. Amen, 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 amen. Praise God. Well, how many are ready? This is, uh, we're, we're gonna pray, and, and uh, somebody, I think, needs to have enough conviction to tell someone else on their way up or before they leave, I'm going up there and I'm getting healed. Amen. What well, say? So do I have to? Well, I don't mean like a formula, but this is what we're. This is the model we're following tonight. This is what they did. If he did that and got his daughter raised up, what do you think that method, that approach, that faith would do for you in your situation? Amen. Amen. Say, so, well, I don't know. Stop it. <laughs> Only believe. Will, your, will you be tempted to have your mind wander into other things? Probably. Grab it back. 
I'm not entertaining that thought. I'm not giving those, those unbelieving thoughts place in my life. Amen. Praise God. So if you need someone to slap you before you come up. <laughs> now, Jesus didn't slap him. But if you need a, friend, a faith friend to come up to you and say, you got this? Only believe. Don't break eye contact. Keep it there. So until it's uncomfortable. <laughs> right, Kendall? <laughs> only believe. We can do that because you only have one job. He didn't give us a list of things to do. Just one. Amen. And so we're going to act on the word tonight. Lay hands on, on those who desire to have hands laid on them. And uh, it, won't take, it won't take long. It won't be a big process. It's just boom. Hallelujah. Father, thank you for what you're doing here tonight.